Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. Our second hour cruise to the news at the top of the hour. And these are stories I talk about more if I only have more time. I want to mention one sports story. Sometimes sports stories are kind of like microcosms of life, and they show you things about our society. And to be clear, I try to say this in every show, my radio show, America Can We Talk, is dedicated to preserving the most extraordinary nation on earth, the United States of America, to preserve the ideas that made America great, unique, and exceptional. To recognize it's every generation's job, including our job in this generation, to preserve the unique greatness of America. Okay, so what happened, this sports story is Serena Williams, who obviously is a world-class, you know, probably the best woman tennis player in the world. Uh, There was a U.S. Open. Uh, She lost the U.S. Open, and I think it was just yesterday. And um, she had what is being called the mother of all meltdowns during this match. Let me just describe her opponent before I tell you what happened. Her opponent is a woman named Naomi Osaka, and she's young. She's like 20. And she, Naomi Osaka, her name sounds like she uh, may may have Japanese um, or or some kind of Asian um, background, but she looks very, she looks African-American. You know, she's, she, Overall, her appearance, you you would say African-American. So anyway, two of them are playing, you know, just obviously among the best tennis players in the world. And the um, ref uh, made some calls that Serena did not like. So she had meltdown. I mean, she ended up yelling at the ref um, several times. She ended up getting three penalties. Um, she demanded an apology from the chair umpire, whose name is Carlos Ramos, And she got a game penalty after she called him a liar and a thief. And she, and so she's yelling this. This is like John McEnroe level. Okay. Really, really out of line stuff. Yelling at the ref. Um, And then he actually penalized her for getting signals from her coach who was on the sidelines. You know, who's, uh, you're not, that is a no, no. You can't make signals, I guess, during the match. I know that was a rule. The coach, Patrick uh, Moritoglu, uh, was apparently giving her signals. She said he was not. He later said in an ESPN interview, well, yeah, actually I was. Okay. So she has this major meltdown, but the story isn't really about Serena and how badly she behaved. The story is about the fans and about the actual, the people in charge of the tournament. When this young girl, Naomi Osaka, who said she used to watch Serena Williams playing tennis when she, this little girl, Naomi, was a little five-year-old girl sitting in the stands just thinking, I want to be Serena Williams someday. I mean, just drove her to want to achieve. So she managed quite handily, I might add, quite handily to beat Serena Williams. So the, the American part of this story is the way these fans behaved. So the match is over. Naomi Osaka has won. Serena Williams, you know, beloved and honored and all that, has lost. So to start with, the fans, and you know, this is near New York City, the fans are booing Naomi Osaka, booing her for winning, for daring to beat the great Serena Williams. That was bad enough. And, but then the person in charge of the, the uh, award ceremony, um, Katrina Adams, chairman and president of the USTA, actually got up and was taking shots at the girl who won, this young girl who won. And, and she, she said, perhaps it's not the finish we were looking for today, but Serena, you're a champion of all champions. Uh, this mama referring to Serena, talking to the audience, referring to Serena. This mama is a role model and respected by us all. 
poor Naomi Osaka is crying on because she's being humiliated on stage, covering her face, sobbing because she's just won this tournament. She's getting mocked by the fans and the actual people who ran the USTA. Honestly, not a proud day for America. Not a proud day for these people. How, just how despicable. Okay. Moving along, the two other stories I want to try to hit in the cruise to the news, I'll probably only get to this one. So as I mentioned during our interview with David McIntosh of Club for Growth, yesterday I went to a Federalist Society meeting here in, I'm in Dallas doing the show, and the Society meeting was in Fort Worth. And so, you know, it's a, it's a great organization. I mean, honestly, it was a whole day long program and they had panels as very substantive and legalistic. And I'm a lawyer by background. I actually thought it sounded interesting. My husband saw the, um, you know, the agenda and he goes, that actually, you would sit through that. That sounds interesting, but it really does. And he's a lawyer too, but he doesn't think all it sounds all that fun. But the reason I went was because Clarence Thomas spoke at the lunchtime thing, Clarence Thomas, Supreme court justice, who, if you, I, I don't know if this is going to be available to be um, seen by video. It was being taped, but he is a magnificent human being. I mean, he is gracious. He's brilliant. He's thoughtful. He he was being he sat on stage actually being interviewed um, by um, what's the guy's name Leonard Leo Leo Leonard I always get it backwards anyway uh, Leo Leonard I think anyway by a, another stellar lawyer judge person but the point is he is a gracious, intelligent man. I was trying to take notes on my phone, texting myself to take some notes of what he had to say. But among the many things he was just saying, like he tells his clerks, the one, when, I want, when you leave here, I want you to leave this job as clerking for a, a, you know, an esteemed, prestigious job to get to clerk for Supreme Court justice. I want you to leave this job with a clean hands, clean heart, clear conscience. He taught, I mean, his, of the nominees that President Trump made to appellate courts, and by that time I know, appellate courts, uh, and since he's been in, uh, 20% of them were Thomas clerks because he teaches them the value of loving the law. Okay, I got to go to a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the Obama speech. Come right back. Four minutes on Facebook. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether in the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, 
Your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, uh, and so glad you've tuned in tonight. We do have a guest joining us this segment. I believe we have her online. Her name is Liz Yore, and she actually spoke at an event in our home, uh, I don't know, a year ago or so. But she is a um, nationally recognized expert on a very tender topic. But I, I want to talk about child protection in this part of this of our show tonight. And she's a nationally recognized expert. Uh, she is. She heads up the end. FGM, which stands for Female Genital Mutilation 
end FGM today in America. She is working toward criminalizing FGM. As a quick uh, background on her, she's been general counsel for the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services. She's obviously a lawyer. Uh, she created the first missing child unit um, at DCFS. Uh, she's been general counsel of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Virginia and the first director of the International Division Handling International Child Abduction Cases. So she's a lawyer and she is very focused on protecting children. So I believe we have her online. Hi, Liz. Hi, Debbie. Great to be with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, I must tell you, this is a tender topic for everybody, I know. And I want to uh, I want to talk about first uh, this FGM, female genital mutilation. It is something we hear about periodically. The United Nations has gotten involved a little bit on this topic. But without too much detail, can you basically describe what it is that we're concerned about, what is FGM is? Sure. Um, FGM, as you mentioned, stands for female genital mutilation. It's an ancient, ancient practice that we've, up to about 25 years ago, did not see in this country. It has been, frankly, imported um, into this country by the influx of um, refugees, migrants from Africa and from the Middle East. It is an ancient ritual, um, largely in the Muslim faith where at the age of around five, six, or seven, little girls are subjected to this mutilation of their genitals. And the purpose of this brutal practice that is largely not even done by a doctor, not that that would even matter, is to, quote, suppress the sexuality of women. It is a purification ceremony. Um, It is to ensure that the woman does not have the enjoyment of sexual pleasure. So it is a not only a physically barbaric practice, but it has lasting physical health consequences and, of course, emotional consequences that last well into adulthood for women who undergo it. And Debbie, shockingly, we have, according to the Center for Disease Control, over 500,000, to be exact, 513,000 women and girls in the United States at risk of FGM. I, you know, quickly, I say it's the fastest growing import in the United States. And as a result, in 1996, the federal government felt compelled to criminalize this horrendous and barbaric practice. So we do have a federal law on the books criminalizing it. So we have a federal law. I'm glad to hear about that. Um, you know, and I want to say something uh, in many directions to go on this, but this idea that young girls would be subjected to this process with the goal of, it, 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 you, know, you mentioned purification, with the goal of, in, in some ancient thinking, preparing them for being, uh, you know, marketable as brides when they're living in other countries, marketable as brides, and then also preventing kind of normal adult intimacy or the pleasure of normal adult intimacy is just, you know, it has should have no place in America at all. And as you say, it's been imported in the last um, several decades with refugee population. So I know there's a particular case. I, I want to talk about this, the laws in the states, but I want to make sure we get to this. There was a, a case ongoing or it was ongoing the end of last year in which uh, doctors were prosecuted uh, for doing this to this FGM practice to young girls in America. So can you just 
tell what happened, how the case came about, and where are we on that? Sure. Um, the FBI got a tip um, uh, that a doctor was practicing, a female doctor, I might add, was practicing FGM in a clinic in, outside of Detroit, Michigan. This female doctor was a member of the Dawoodi Bora. It's a Shia sect, um, Islamic sect that comes from India. Debbie, she was educated and trained at John Hopkins in the United States. And so when the FBI began investigating this case, they um, determined that she was, in fact, practicing FGM. Um, in the basically after hours, um, she had she was charged with um, several counts of FGM, uh, including having six um, six victims and eight other um, six child victims from the ages of about eight to twelve, who had traveled from Michigan with their mothers. Um, and from Minnesota um, to go to this doctor to perform FGM. And it was interesting reading the indictment and the FBI affidavit attached to the complaint. She um, communicated, the doctor communicated to these mothers by text only and told them to come to the clinic after hours when the lights were off and to knock on the door. Um, the FBI affidavit also describes the excruciating pain that these little girls who were interviewed described. Um, and the government charged this doctor and eight other adults, including the mothers who brought these their daughters to this clinic, with um, crossing state lines, with violation of the federal statute, um, with obstruction of justice, with lying to FBI agents. And it's the first case um, since the law passed in 1996. And so it is um, a monumental, you know, case in the sense that it's going to trial um, in January of 2019. Uh, they have challenged the law. The defendants have put up a very vigorous defense. Um, and they have challenged the law on religious freedom grounds, that this is a religious ritual. And, Debbie, as we all know, um, you know, they, in, in an attempt to try and trick and minimize what's being done, they call it just a pinprick or just a nick um, or it's just a shaving or, you know, it's not a mutilation, which, in fact, is what it is. So they try and minimize the procedure in, in an effort to um, say that it's not, it's benign, it doesn't, it's harmless. And so it's going to be vigorously fought out in court on trial in January, and already the pretrial motions have been um, very vigorous. And so we're going to see that this particular doctor, the government has said, has cut up to 100 girls around the country. They have victims in California, in Chicago, and in the East Coast in New York. So the Dawoodi Boras have mosques in about, um, there's 22 mosques in about 12 different states. And according to the spiritual head, who is in India, he has, it is a mandatory practice that um, must be done on all little girls who are in this sect. 
So um, it's, it's very much heavy, like human trafficking was 20 years ago, you know, very secretive. They have, you know, in many respects, a parallel society. It's hidden in plain sight. Um, and so it's very difficult, except for if, you know, for the lead that the FBI had in this particular case, it's very difficult to catch the mutilators because they're in hiding, and it's a very secret society that does not um, come out in the open. Um, they know they have to be very discreet. Yeah, you know, Liz, uh, we have like one minute left. I want to ask you, I'm, I had intended to specifically ask, they, I knew they had raised religious freedom as a defense, and in less than a minute, how did the court, did the court entertain that motion, rule on it yet? They have not ruled on it yet. And as you know, Debbie, you know, we have a lot of cult leaders, Jim Jones, Warren Jeffs, over the years that have sexually abused little girls and called it, you know, religious freedom. It was part of the religious practice. Well, the courts never gave that the time of day, did they? They they called it what it is, child abuse. And so you can't hide under the banner of religious freedom. However, they're mounting a vigorous defense in this case, and we'll see um, how the court rules. Um, but we've, we've been down this road before with other religious sects. Yeah, you know, I got you, but we're running out of time here. If you can tell us, Liz, you are, we're talking to her about female genital mutilation. Is there some place can, people can go to read more about what you do? Is there a website? Oh, yeah. Yes, Debbie. It's endfgmtoday.com endfgmtoday.com. Liz, I cannot thank you enough. That was so informative. Thank you so very much for calling in tonight. Thank you, Debbie. Folks, we'll be right back. And then we're going to turn to Obama's speech. Debbie George Asmer, can we talk? If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. If you are listening to America Can We Talk, you know that my show is dedicated to preserving the exceptional idea that is America. I want to take a minute to tell you what I mean by that. Unlike almost every other country on the planet, America's culture, our very identity, has nothing at all to do with ethnicity, race, or national origin. Instead, America is all about ideas, including the most basic idea that each of us simply because we were born has the God-given right to live out our individual version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness within the guardrails of the Constitution and our laws. Preserving this requires patriots in every American generation to grasp the importance of this truth, to recognize and fight back against the subtle and not-so-subtle relentless attacks on American liberty, and to speak up for and defend the unique culture of American-style liberty. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. 
Together, you and I can cure America. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us and welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, that every interview I have is always shorter than I want to be. Liz Yore is an amazing fighter for children. She's also been working and speaking in America recently uh, related to the children who are victims of the uh, priest sex abuse scandal uh, that arose in, in Pennsylvania, but now is seems to be spreading in the, she doesn't, she's not a, um, she's really just focusing on how do we protect children, what laws we need to change, what do we have to do, and, and urging prosecution in those cases. And, you know, I haven't talked a lot about this, the, the Catholic Church uh, scandal in um, Pennsylvania and other places, because it's very tender. I, I mean, it's you have to protect children, number one, period, have to protect children. And she is on that mission. Liz, you is also on the mission of— um, these kind of tender topics that most people don't really want to talk about, not that comfortable to talk about FGM, but the idea that there are girls in America who are being truly mutilated in a way that you wouldn't, I wouldn't describe on air because it's a family show. But if you read about, it, you cannot believe, and in, and around the world it's occurring uh, with untrained. This in America was a doctor, which doesn't make it okay. But around the world, it's occurring in Islamic societies with no. Uh, uh, you know, with unclean instruments, with no anesthesia, and it's not voluntary. It is held down and uh, and conducted. And so this is, you talk about an issue that ought to be widely of appeal to 
every range, the, the wide spectrum of political parties in this country, you know, political viewpoints, left, right, whatever you think you are, you know, this should be something everyone can get behind that we don't do this in, in modern civilization. We don't do this to girls, uh, not just because it's torture and, and painful, but because it's life changing and it makes their, their, future ability to have normal adult life it it it, it robs them of that but in the state of maine we didn't get to this story so i'll just quickly tell you in the state of maine there are now i think it's 26 states have laws that say that outlaw fgm 24 do not or something like that It's, it's in that vicinity the state of maine had a bill which the democrats in maine defeated would not vote to outlaw fgm out of sympathy for the advocacy for, you know, offending the Islamic population, because to them, that's a normal thing to do. This gets into an issue we're not going to be off on tonight, but the idea of asserting America's culture, uh, this is an issue where we, we, we can't make it okay. We cannot agree that in order to have diversity of religion and to have uh, indulgence and uh, protection of religious minorities, we allow young girls to be permanently disfigured and harmed that can't be so we we have a ways to go on that we didn't get to get off on that topic but she's very good very articulate just a just an endlessly energetic person on this issue okay now i want to talk about obama president obama made a speech and this kind of harkens back to the ongoing just media avalanche that you will see from now until election day till the midterm elections coming from the american left the other ones you mentioned the first hour being the New York Times runs and, you know, anonymous editorial that inside the Trump White House, they've got someone there who's just working to undermine them day and night. And, you know, they run this proudly. And so you have that story. You have the Bob Woodward book, which, you know, depends on who you believe, sounds like a lot of fiction, uh, wishes it were true. Um because numerous people in the White House have said, I never said that. That never happened. So I think Woodward has perhaps lost his uh, investigative journalistic edge, and he's just he's now an advocate. But turning out of President Obama, he gave a speech this past week. I'm going to tell you where he made that speech. Um, it was at a college in Illinois, I think. Anyway, he made, he made a, a speech in Illinois, um, essentially um, kind of sizing up where we are um, in America. But his point... In this in this speech was to these students that this is a just extremely important election. You have to understand how important this election is and you have to speak up and you have to. His main point was to go vote. So the speech was at the University of Illinois at the Urbana-Champaign campus. And essentially, President Obama, ex-President Obama launched into an un, uh, uncontrolled, just avalanche of criticism of President Trump and urging these students that, you know, it wasn't just he, he, Obama was saying, this isn't just policy X versus policy Y, um, the R's versus the D's, liberals and conservatives. This is, we have to rescue our country. And so the things he was characterizing, I I mean, you know, the psychological term um, when you project like you're the one who's stealing, so you accuse other people of stealing, or you're the one who's engaging in some bad conduct, but you attribute that to the other guy. This is what he was doing. This is what President Obama was doing. It was so egregious. As one little tidbit that just, I mean, simply mind-blowing. I have too many papers here. I don't know where it is. I had a great tidbit from him. 
um, where he essentially, uh, President Obama, uh, oh, here it is, yeah, was saying, we need to see, this is the audacity, to use a term that he tried to use in book title, President Obama said, even if they don't agree with Democrats on certain issues, they, these students, should still want to see a restoration of honesty and decency and lawfulness in government. This coming from a man whose conduct leading under his presidency in the FBI and the DOJ was a complete um, political assault, use of the power of the, and the, the uh, authority and the power and the, the range of ability of the federal government to attack a political opponent, to attack Trump, to whitewash all of Hillary's clear law violations of law and clear effort to help the Russians with her Uranium One deal and to orchestrate and, and just a foolish concoction of the Russia-Trump collusion and use the resources of the federal government to go after that And yet President Obama is giving a speech talking about the need to restore honesty and decency and lawfulness in the government. The man who weaponized the IRS against his political opponents. The man who gave the world's number one terror exporting country in the world, Iran, billions with a B as in boy, billions of dollars, and an Iran nuclear deal that simply enabled Iran to develop nuclear weapons. It was a Nuclear Weapon Enablement Act. Or pact is what he made with Iran. This is, I mean, this this is this is a guy who did who was utterly opposed to America's sovereignty and greatness for eight years. Now attacking Trump, and I'll tell you why he's attacking attacking Trump. I mean, the ultimate thing I'll say first, so I don't run out of time. If the Republicans hold the House, there will not be an impeachment hearing against President Trump. If the Democrats take the House, there will be an impeachment hearing, and the impeachment hearing will gather up all the energy and all the media and all the ink and all the headlines for months and months. This is what they hope will happen, that they can further stymie Trump's agenda, they can further delude and confuse the American people into thinking that there must be something bad here because everybody's so upset. But the real reason Obama's so worried is that if the Republicans hold the House and they continue down their current path of looking into what happened at the FBI and what happened at the Department of Justice, they're going to discover that Hillary got a pass when she should have not gotten a pass. She should have been prosecuted for her endangerment of national security secrets, for her use of the private server. And that's going to lead to his, President Obama's use of Hillary's, his awareness of her use of that private server. It's going to lead to all of the ongoing misconduct by the FBI and the Department of Justice and their fake dossier funded by Hillary and then the Democrat Party dossier that went and got a a FISA court warrant to start spying on Trump that gave rise to the whole entire Russia-Trump collusion. All of that comes tumbling down. And Obama, even if he were to escape... If he were to escape legal liability, which I don't know if he would, but probably, but his legacy, what tiny tatters of it are left, would be gone. 
And this is why President Obama is investing so much energy when he's supposed to be what every other president does is just keep your mouth shut when you're done being president. He's out there speaking, trying to stir up voters to turn out for the Democrats because he knows if the Republican investigation continues on, eventually it leads to him and his at least knowledge, if not authorization, if not instruction of what happened inside the FBI and Department of Justice. This is why Obama is after Trump, out of his mind after for Trump. And I'll make a couple other things, reasons why he's, I mean, President Trump has pretty much eviscerated Obama's legacy anyway. You know, we're, we're getting rid of, we got rid of the individual mandate, got rid of the Iranian deal, got rid of the uh, alleged, um, you know, uh, climate treaty, which we weren't, we shouldn't have been in anyway. He has in many, and he's brought back the economy in ways that, that Obama's trying to take credit for, but no, no one believes him. Trump has brought back the economy, jobs, uh, a, a sense of hope in America, and it has really exposed the weakness of Obama's presidency. That's why Obama wants Trump out. Come right back after the break. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty, from free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. 
and Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity, and it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You know, I get to this point in the show every week, and I hate to be like a <laughs> the same thing over and over, but it's the fastest two hours of my week. I can hardly stand the show's almost over, but I do have a great thing to hit this segment, and that is this. You know, I do believe it's important when you hear words, speeches by President Obama and other leftists, and they're just trying to create... You know, and all the, the piling on of uh, against Trump this past week from the New York Times and from Woodward's book and the Kavanaugh hearing and the just, in fact, one of the opening statements of one of the Democrat senators was basically saying, look, if Kavanaugh was chosen by Trump, we shouldn't confirm him. I mean, just, just stupid. But what I want to get at is what was happening in eight years under Obama was truly, as he himself acknowledged, a fundamental transformation of America. It was a genuine, honest-to-goodness, no, not-kidding effort to radically transform America away from a country based on individual liberty of the individual and the right of the individual to live in freedom to a country based on government-controlled society. People talk about, say, socialist, and it is that. It's, it's a lot of the idea that the government's purpose is to decide how much money you have and who, and who has too much and who should we take it away from. It's like the government owns everything. It's the big, you know, big guy in the room. It owns everything, and it decides who gets what. And that is inconsistent with the idea of America. And, and President Obama was making great headway on that mission. Passing Obamacare was one of the most, a giant step toward taking away freedom for the American people, a giant step toward taking away the, the best health care system on earth, taking away the control of the health care system out of the hands of the people who are the doctors and the nurses and the hospitals and putting it in the hands of bureaucrats. It was a massive step. There were many other steps. President Obama worked for eight years to expand the scope and power of the federal government to get more and more people 
reliant on, dependent on government. The, the numbers of people on food stamps and other forms of welfare exploded under President Obama because that gives the government power. Those were not programs to help people. They were programs to help enhance the size and power and control of government. And so President Obama thought that Hillary would follow his left-wing, big government, take-away liberty agenda and shock of the century to them, President Trump won. President Trump's administration, and I was not a Trump supporter in the primaries, I've said many times on my show, uh, but what President Trump has accomplished in the actual reduction of regulation, getting rid of regulations or strangling businesses, bringing businesses back to America, he's brought that feel back of a self-reliant economy, a self-reliant country, and people on an individual level love to feel that. They love to feel like they're able to, they're capable of holding a job, earning a salary, and there are jobs to be had. In fact, we're in the first time in America in a long time that there are more job openings that they can't find people for than people looking. This is The economy is a huge thing about not just money and businesses, but people feeling a sense of worth and self-reliance. So things are going well, and th- people are remembering again how great freedom is how great free markets are. And this is part of what's driving Obama crazy because he can look at this country and see that President Trump's policies are working and they're pulling America back from the edge that off the cliff where, where Obama would have driven us, Obama then Hillary. So one other huge piece of all this has to do with immigration. There was just a massive effort to expand immigration to, and, and, and we, we can't get off immigration policy. I want to, uh, today, I love talking about that policy, but I want to focus on one thing. There's been endless efforts on immigration uh, policy of, of the uh, American left attacking these detention centers and describing them in these just, my gosh, you'd think that you, they've been sent to a dungeon in Siberia kind of detention centers where people are held when they've entered America illegally and they're being held uh, and they're not exactly like a dungeon in Siberia. So Candace Owens went to visit the the, the ICE detention center in Broward County and she's going to tell you what it was, clip two. Greg's going to get a clip two for us, Candace Owens. Today I was able to get access to go into an actual an actual immigration center that is here in Broward County. I'm gonna show you guys where I'm at. I hope this is the most viral Periscope video that I do. I genuinely hope that every single person retweets this because what I have just seen, I am incensed, I am horrified, and I am angry, okay? Children are being mistreated in this country. They are not the children that are sent to ICE immigration centers, okay? They are the children that are in Chicago. They are the children that are in Baltimore. They are the children that are in Detroit. Let me tell you what I just saw when I walked in there, okay? And I, by the way, I'm with an entire film crew. So I'm about to blow up this narrative in a way that the left is not expecting because they are filthy, disgusting liars. And I'm sorry that I am so angry right now, but what I just saw was astonishing. Okay, this place is nicer than where I went to the public school system. I went to Stanford, Connecticut public schools. This place is like an elementary school. There are colors on the wall everywhere. There's a nursing station that is so clean and so nice where they dine. They're sitting down laughing. There is a sand volleyball court, which they are all welcome to play anytime that they want to in, in this in the center of the section. There are phones that line the entire place where there's a sand volleyball court 
a foosball table. What else did I see? Oh, there, there are pool tables. There's a soccer field, okay? Because in case they want to play soccer when they're outside, there should be a soccer field that is adjacent to the, the sand volleyball courts where they can play. They're all laughing. They're having a good time. This is an ice facility in Broward County, the source of so much debate and anger. And everyone came down to Florida because the left did what they do best. They made up a narrative that is completely false and untrue. This facility, like, what, what else was there outside? Basketball courts? What else is there? Oh, oh, I forgot, the library, the library. So in case you're done playing soccer, okay? In case you're done playing volleyball, in case you've completed your Zumba class, in case you got off the phone with your mom, phones are open all day up until 11 o'clock p.m., okay? And you go, hmm, what am I gonna do now? You are welcome to also go to the library where you have computers, where there are books. The library, unfortunately, is only open from 10 to 1 p.m. So maybe that's what they're boycotting. Okay, I can't begin to tell you. She's a little wound up. That was Candace Owens, who was, did, did a Periscope, which if, you don't, if you're not on Twitter, it's basically kind of like Facebook Live for uh, Twitter. You can, take your, you can take your camera in, your phone in, and, and be doing a Twitter video. Uh, and so that's what she was doing uh, at this Broward County Ice Detention Center. The reason I wanted to play that is this. She said other things like, I couldn't even, I mean, she has, she was a little bit wound up, so there are quite a few bad words if you go listen to the whole thing. But she's basically angry that the American people are so lied to by the American left about how we treat our immigrants. She talked about this, this ICE detention center was nicer than her high school, nicer than her college dorm, nicer, bigger rooms, more amenities, more facilities, that the women can participate in cooking if they want to. There is a beauty shop there. There's a barber shop there. You can get your hair cut and colored. I mean, the place is, and the, and I mean, she just was livid because if you just listen to the American left, you would think that ICE was putting people in dungeons and cells and slotting food through the, you know, under the door and making them eat terrible food. This place, she just said, she said, I would send my kids to school here. This is how nice this place was. So, she was doing a public service for everybody, what she did on Twitter, and I've retweeted it. Um, and if you're on Twitter, I urge you to do that. But I want to get around to the serious point, looping back to Obama and Trump. President Obama was on a mission to massively increase the number of refugees coming to this country, dangerous refugees, people like the Somalian refugees, by the way, who we have now in the, I think it's like 40,000 in Minnesota. of whom uh, girls go through FGM, just so you know. This is the the culture bringing in, but Obama wanted to bring them in. We had a a poor, an intentionally porous border. We had lots of people pouring in, very little regulation of it. We had had just a flood, an abandonment of the idea of a secure border. In fact, it's the main thing that the uh, liberals attack Trump over is saying he wants a secure border, that he's just, this is so xenophobic. This is not liking people don't look like you. This is, this is being hateful. What Trump is doing is restoring the idea that a country has to have borders, that immigration has to be a system with rules, immigration with rules that actually... Uh, you know, apply to everyone, that everyone has some status. You can't just be here with no status. That if you don't have a status, you have to get one or you might have to leave. The idea of having order in a civilized country, civilization requires the idea of citizenship. These kinds of things are what President Trump is restoring because the American left has no answer 
to those kinds of things. Because the American left cannot say, well, yeah, we're kind of, uh, we're all about massive influx of refugees and then moving them as quickly as possible to citizenship because we see a long-term path of having Democrat majorities voted in by these new citizens. They can't say that. So they make up lies, lies about the immigration centers that ICE runs lies about the the tactics ICE uses. And so this is why Candace Owens got so wound up. I urge you to listen to her whole video. You have to plug your ears a little bit with her language. But on a positive note to end this, and it kind of ties back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, instead of just slogan-slinging accusations, which is kind of where the American left lives... We all ought to care about solutions. We should care about solutions to the problem that is causing the NFL players to kneel during the national anthem. Instead of kneeling, which isn't really solving anything, come up with a list of proposals. Let's have conversations. Let's have a dialogue. Let's, let's go to Washington or the state legislatures and move some legislation. Let's try to fix the problems that are wrong. The same thing with immigration. The extremely brilliant Daniel Horowitz at the... Um, uh, Conservative Review has an article up, which I posted on my website, americacanwetalk.org, 25 no-brainer immigration plans to make America safer and win the election. He's brilliant. He's always brilliant. He's basically said, this is not an unsolvable problem. Nothing we're facing about the border, immigration, citizenship, security, these are not unsolvable. They just take a little bit of backbone, a little bit of tenacity, a little bit of willingness to fight for what we say we stand for. I have run out of time to read my highlights in that list, but I will urge you to read it at our website. I'll post it here on the Twitter, on the Facebook feed. I urge you also to tune into my Wednesday podcast, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here on Facebook Live. Come back next Sunday to America Can We Talk. We always talk truth about America. Listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk. Truth About America. America.